I've got um, three <clears throat> announcements. Um, one has to do with the new members class, which is the 29th of this month. You know, we have four of those. And the second one of 2018 is the 29th of April. The, um, the other thing is, you know, um, I think maybe you have gotten used to the systematics class being taught in July. Um, well, I'm going to be out for the four of the five Sundays of July. And so <clears throat> we're going to move systematics to June, June the 16th and the 23rd. If you want to wander around in some fairly uh, deep theological waters, I would love to take you out there into those waters. <clears throat> so, But it'll be different this year than most years. Uh, most of the time it's in July when it's so hot that nobody wants to do anything but stay in some air-conditioned room and listen to me rant. But in June, you know, um, but that's the only time I can do it. It's the 16th and the 23rd. And then finally, uh, you know that three of your fellow church members are running for public office. Uh, David Lenore, uh, Wayne Mashburn, and George Chisholm. All three are on the ballot, and early voting, I think, started today. I think the vote is May the 1st, um, but early voting has already opened. Now, I am not telling you who you should vote for, but I am telling you that every member of this church goes through a new members class and is interviewed uh, as to their, um, their understanding of the gospel. So there are three men who at least we know understand the gospel. Um, who are running for public office, and wouldn't that be something wild and crazy to see some Christians um, taking over the county? <clears throat> okay, uh, a word to the wise. Now, um, back to Galatians 6. Guys, um, if you're new here on a Wednesday night, I, I hope you know this. What we do on Wednesday nights is that we work through books, um, you know, pe people still laugh at me about Romans that took 11 years. Um, I, I still don't get that because there were 16 chapters. We really went real fast. Um, but um, I, I don't know how long Galatians has taken, but it's taken about four years, I think. I, I'm guessing. Four, longer, John? Longer than that. Okay. Um, John knows. J John uh, uh, tracks every one of my sermons and tries to memorize them. He's so overcome with uh, their content. <laughs> anyway, so what we're doing is that we work through books, and so we, um, we come to a, a text. Some of them might be more difficult than others. Um, some of them might be more convicting than others, but we're committed to work through a book uh, because of our high view of the Scriptures. We believe that this is the very mind of God as black words on a white page, and so we're going to try to know it. And, and, um, and then conform our lives to it, all right? I say all of that because um, the text under discussion for tonight and the next few weeks is not one of my favorites. Let me read it to you first, and then I'll come back and, and tell you why, or at least um, Galatians chapter 6 at verse 6. I'm going to read through verse 10 because it's a paragraph. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. 
So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, guys, um, I do not enjoy <clears throat> commenting on this, this text. Um, I have a real reluctance to, to, uh, to go through this because, as you may have already realized, um, it seems to be speaking, or you know, the, the, the risk that is involved is that um, you will get the impression that it, I'm speaking about it for my own benefit. Look at verse 6, ladies and gentlemen. It says, one who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Um, no matter how I try to spin this, um, this is about benevolent giving. The whole paragraph. Um, in the final analysis, ladies and gentlemen, for the next few weeks, we're going to be confronted with the subject of giving generally and specifically <laughs> to the, to the um, material support of those who teach. Uh, that would be me. <laughs> so maybe you can understand why I have a reluctance to, to do this. But you, you see, ladies and gentlemen, but by the way, Paul speaks about this often. And he was um, supported by the church. He got over his reluctance, so I'm going to have to get over mine. Um, he talks about it a lot, and you'll see that as, as we go through here. Um, benevolent giving, guys, was a huge issue for Luther, Martin Luther. Um, there, there's a story that's told about Luther that he got so angry at his congregation in Wittenberg because they wouldn't raise their giving by one penny. I mean, they were being asked to buy one penny. That, that's not a that's not a, a, a metaphor. It was they were literally one penny, and they balked. And he got so mad that he got in the pulpit and and said to his congregation, "You don't deserve to hear the gospel." Um, Luther took it very seriously. He saw it. Um, uh, he saw it as the work of the devil designed to drive men out of the ministry so that the gospel would not be preached. And we're, we'll, we'll look at that little point before we close just a little bit more closely. But I'm saying that, that Paul covers this a lot, um, and we're going we're gonna to spend some time on it, guys. Um, uh, I do not want you to forget that we're going over this territory because the text, Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 and following, introduces this whole subject. Um, and, if, and if we're going to go through the Bible, folks, um, as reluctant as I may be or as uncomfortable as I may be, that's, not, that's too bad because we're going to try to figure out the things that um, uh, are, the way that we are instructed by the scriptures, even over these very sensitive issues. All right?
Um, now, Paul instructs the church in Galatians 6.6 6, uh, to support its teachers materially and financially. Do you want me to read it again? I mean, it, one who has taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. All right. Um, as I said to you a moment ago, he speaks about this frequently. He devotes, oh, a couple of chapters in 1 Corinthians and a couple of chapters in 2 Corinthians to this whole subject, and we'll try to look at some of those. Um, but I want you to look at, um, I want you to go first to 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, this is one of the places where he deals with this subject. First Corinthians 9. Let me show you a, a, a few things, and then we're going to spend the rest of our night in the Old Testament. First um, Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 and 9. Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? You know what he means by the law? The Old Testament. For it is written in the law of Moses. You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Now, gang, do you understand what the Apostle Paul has just done? He has taken a principle, an agrarian principle, out of Deuteronomy 25, verse 4. It applies to oxen. (laughs) But he uses it to apply the principle to the work of teachers and preachers in the church. Look at verse 14, same chapter. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Um, notice, he repeats that. Um, before, I, before we turn, look at verse 18. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of of my right in the gospel. I want you to keep that in mind because we're going we're to look at that right in just a minute. Um, but he calls the support of uh, 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 church's teachers, the, his right, he calls it a right. Hope you got that. Um, you don't need to turn here. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. He said, did... Uh, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right. He claims that there is a right. <clears throat> now, on what does Paul base his um, suggestion, not his uh, his, his teaching that there is a right of those teaching to be supported by the church. He calls it a right. And I want to show you the, the basis on which he makes that claim and um, establishes his right. Are you ready? What I'm trying to do is avoid really getting to the brass tacks, so I'll just take you anywhere in the scriptures that I can distract you, you know. Um, but I want you to go to the book of Exodus with me. The book of Exodus. All right, guys, um, 
You, you know what happens in Exodus. You got all this wonderful stuff that happens in Exodus. Um, you know, the, the Exodus occurs in Exodus <laughs> in chapter 12, and the, the uh, Egyptians are drowned in the Red Sea, and, and then you have manna and all these wonderful stories. Um, and, you know, people who are reading their Bibles through, they get to about uh, Exodus 25, and they just kind of bog down and stop. Because there, uh, God is giving instructions as to how the furniture in the tabernacle and the, uh, the design of the tabernacle. Now, guys, you know that the word tabernacle and temple are the same thing. The tabernacle is a transportable temple. The temple, uh, which was built by Solomon, was the permanent structure, okay? But the design of the, of the temple is given to you way back in Exodus where God gives instructions as to how the thing is to look. So uh, uh, look at uh, Exodus 35. Um, Exodus 35 uh, beginning at verse 30, it says, construction of the tabernacle. That's the one that's going to move around in the wilderness for 40 years with them, okay? But there's the construction. And he starts giving, he provides this guy by Bezalel and Oholiab. These are two guys that he gifts to do all the work, um, making of the table, making of the ark, making of the lampstand. He tells about the court, and he tells about the bronze basin, the materials for the tabernacle. Um, and then he comes with the um, priestly garments. And all. So from 35 to the end, pretty much, God is giving instructions for how the tabernacle is to look, how it's be designed, the materials that are supposed to be used, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? That's the, up, up to the end of Exodus. Then we come to the book of Leviticus. Um, guys, in the first seven chapters of Leviticus, what you are being given in the first seven chapters, amongst a few other things, but, but primarily what you're being given in the first seven chapters of Leviticus um, is a description and instructions about the sacrifices that are to be conducted in that t- tabernacle that I just gave you instructions for. I just gave you the instructions in Exodus uh, 25 through 40. Now, once you got that thing built, here are the sacrifices that are supposed to be conducted. Look at chapter 7, Leviticus 7, 37. This is a summary comment. This is the law of the burnt offering, of the grain offering, of the sin offering, of the guilt offering, of the ordination offering, of the peace offering, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day that he commanded the people of Israel to bring their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. So what you get in the first seven chapters is the discussion of the offerings, like a sin offering, a burnt offering, a guilt offering, a peace offering, a thank offering. All of these things that God is instructing that are supposed to be conducted in the tabernacle that he told how he wanted it built. Okay, you got that? Um, Now, we come to Leviticus 8. And in Leviticus 8, ladies and gentlemen, you get the creation of the first professional clergy. It's called the priesthood. Um, men who are going to be set apart to do the work of the ministry. <clears throat> Here's the building. Here's the sacrifices. 
Now I got to give you some man to run this thing. And so in chapter eight, you get an outline and some instructions about these, this professional clergy, these men who are set apart to, to minister inside this place where God's people are supposed to worship. Gang, Leviticus 8, you know, um, look, verse 3, assemble all the congregation. Okay, Moses, I want you to get everybody together. Bring them all out here. So he gets all of Israel. I mean, how many were there? Two million? I don't know. But I want you to get everybody out here. That's, um, that's, the, that's the first instruction. Verse 7, I want you to put the coat on him. Who's that? Aaron. I want you to put the coat that, you know, that I designed back here at Exodus the one I told you what it was to be made out of and what colors and where everything was supposed to be put and the bells on the bottom and all that business. I want you to put the coat on him. Uh, verse 10, and then Moses took the anointing oil. Uh, you're supposed to anoint him with oil. And by the way, that oil is oil that God told him how to concoct and the elements that were supposed to go in it. But you're supposed to use that oil to anoint the guy who's in the coat who is going to be the priest that's going to work in this tabernacle and offer the sacrifices that I have designed. And by the way, don't let anybody use that anointing oil for anything else. It's only for the anointing of the priest. Keep going. Verse 14. Then he brought the bull of the sin offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull. Okay. <clears throat> so get all the people together. Uh, put the coat on him. You know, in that, oh, by the way, it's even got a turban. Um, I would want him to get me one of these. Verse nine, and he set the turban on his head and on the turban in front, he set the golden plate, the holy crown is the Lord commanded Moses. Put the coat on him, put the sash around his waist, get the turban on. And then I want you to take the animals that I told you to bring and I want you to sacrifice them uh, because we are setting apart some men, Aaron and his sons. Remember he had four sons. At least at this point he has four. In just a minute, he's gonna have two less. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, he's got four sons, and they're all getting the coats on, and the anointing oil, and the blood of the bulls and goats, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, verse uh, 18, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and he killed it. Can you imagine? It's like four animals in this first official worship service This is the first worship service in the tabernacle with the priesthood. Four animals are slain. I mean, it's a a long, arduous, elaborate, splendid service. But guys, look, uh, verse 22. Then he presented the other ram, the ram of ordination. Uh, Look, um, look at verse 28. This was an ordination. Verse 29, the ram of ordination. Verse 31, ordination offerings. Uh, Verse 33, your ordination will take seven days to ordain you. Do you see what's happening, ladies and gentlemen? I told you back in Exodus how I want the thing built. All right? I want you to build it according to the design that I gave to Moses. And they did. Chapter 40, it's perfect. God shows up and uh, there's this great worship service. Then we go to Leviticus. Now here are the offerings. Now you got the building over there. You got the building ready. And uh, now 
<clears throat> when the work, when, when, when God's people worship, here's the offerings that they can bring. Guilt offering, sin offering, peace offering, thanksgiving offering, free will offering. Here they are, seven chapters of that. Telling the offerings, who can eat it, who can't eat it, what do you do with the blood, whatever, you know, just really all according to God's command. Now it's time to create a professional clergy. Get all the people together. Get all those people together. I want everybody out there. Um, I want everybody there, and I want them all to see this. Um, Aaron, Eliezer, Ithamar, Nadab, Abihu, they're all standing up there in their little coats, little sashes, little turbans, oil. Um, this is an ordination service. This is an ordination and installation service. And boy, ladies and gentlemen, the thing takes all day. Read it. it takes all day to get, you know, to set aside these men for the work of service of ministry. And don't let anybody else use that anointing oil. It's only for the priest. No, 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 no. Mm, just him. Um, look at verse 36 of chapter 8. And Aaron and his sons did all the things the Lord, the things that the Lord commanded by Moses. So the building is built just like God commanded. The sacrifices are done just like God commanded. And now Aaron and his sons are doing everything just like God commanded. Because God is setting up Israel to be a worshiping people. I gave you the building. I gave you the furniture. Showed you how I wanted it. I told you what the sacrifices were. Now I'm giving you some men to uh, perform the work of ministry. Set them apart. Now, um, you, this is the ordination service in chapter 8. Then in chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 9, you get the first worship service of the, led by the professional clergy. L- look at verse 7. Then Moses said to Aaron, draw near to the altar and offer your sin offerings and your burnt offerings and make atonement for yourself and for the people and bring the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. And Aaron drew near. <clears throat> and so you have this first official clergy-led worship service in Leviticus chapter 9. Um, and everything just goes, uh, look at verse 22. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. <clears throat> and he came down from the offering of the sin offering, the burnt offering, the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went to the tent. And when they came out, they were blessed. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Do you get it? Okay, everybody listen up. I'm going to give you a building. I'm going to give you all the details. I'm going to give you the dimensions. Uh, How many feet that way? How many feet that way? What kind of the yarn you're going to use? I want this thing done exactly. Put some little rings on the side of the ark because I don't want it it toted. I want it carried on the poles by the Levi. You remember all that? So you you got the building just right. The Lord shows up. Chapter 40 of Exodus. All right, now here are the offerings. Here are the offerings. I got all the offerings. And I um, got, got all that down. You got all the details. You got it, you got it, you got it, you got it, Lord. Okay. Now, we're going to need some men to conduct this, this whole thing called worship. Uh, they're going to they're work full time. They're a professional clergy. I hate that term, but that communicates. Um, 
uh, and, and here, get all Israel together because I don't want to see this. And put the coat on and put the turban and put the stag, and a board of oil and, um, and then cut him loose. And so there he goes. There's the priesthood. There's the clergy in Leviticus 9 conducting this first worship service. And they do it according to the way that God has commanded. And as a result of doing it the way that God has commanded, uh, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. This is 9, uh, 30, 24. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their knees. First worship service led by professional clergy. There it is. We now have five men who have been ordained for the professional clergy. Aaron and his boys. Four of them. Fine, fine, strapping-looking boys. But two of them decide, you know, that really was fun. I mean, did you see that fire come out from heaven and lap up all, did you see all that? <laughs> you go to chapter 10 of Leviticus. And Nadab and Abihu decide they know how to do it. I love to say that. Nadab and Abihu. That was two of Abraham's. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't say it anymore, Jimmy. Um, um, but look, look, at, uh, look at chapter 10, verse 1. Now, those two men, <laughs> the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered, uh, offered unauthorized fire before the Lord which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. And then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said among those who are near me. Clergy, I will be sanctified, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. In fact, later on in this chapter 10, Moses goes to Aaron and says, don't cry. Don't moan over your two boys that are now embers. Don't don't cry over that. Because I gave you the temple the exact way I wanted it. I gave you the sacrifices. I put you in the ministry, and I told you to do it exactly the way I told you to do it. And they decided to to offer unauthorized fires. And they were consumed. Now there's only three men. Aaron and Ethamar, Eliezer and Ethamar because two of them are gone. Now, gang, um, first of all, let me just pause to say this. In, in, in my world, in the world out of which I come, which is the Reformed Presbyterian world, um, we have, a, we have a, a book. It's called the Book of Common Worship. And um, there's a lot of things. They tell you how to do funerals and weddings and uh, um, but one of the things, and I've never really paid much attention to it, <laughs> except really one part, because it says that worship is to be limited and prescribed. Worship is to be limited and prescribed. Why, what do you know? That's exactly what I'm saying here. 
We are called to worship. But we are called to worship in the way that God says to worship. Not any old way will do. Nadab and Abihu made that mistake. And fire out of heaven fell on them and consumed them. Now, you're wondering, well, when is he going to get back to Galatians 6, 6? Here I come. Uh, I want you to look back with me to chapter 8. This is in that ordination and installation service. This elaborate service. I want you to stay with me now. I'm going to do this fast. Verse 4, as the Lord commanded him. Verse 9, as the Lord commanded him. Verse 13, um, as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 17, as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 21, um, the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 29, um, it was, uh, as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 34, um, the Lord has commanded to be done. Verse 36, um, that the Lord commanded by Moses. Did you get anything out of that? Everything that's being, that is unfolding in front of you in chapter 8 is the result of a command. This is right before the, no, no, this is the ordination service. Now I want you to go to chapter 7 which are instructions that are given right before the ordination service. Are you there? I want you to look at this, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 34 to 36. For the breast that is waved and the thigh that is contributed, I have taken from the people of Israel out of the sacrifices of their peace offerings and have given them to Aaron the priest and to his sons. Look. As a perpetual due from the people of Israel. <clears throat> this is the portion of Aaron and, his, and of his sons from the Lord's food offerings from the day that they were presented to serve as priests to the Lord. The Lord commanded this to be given them by the people of Israel from the day that he anointed them. It is a perpetual due. Chapter 10, verse 15. The thigh that is contributed and the breast that is waved, they shall all they shall bring with the food offerings to the fat pieces to wave for a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be yours and your sons with you as a due forever. You wanted to know why Paul calls it a right. And I just showed you. He stands in front of the people of Corinth and Galatian and Philippi and he says, and, and he instructs the Galatian church that those who teach are to be supported by those who are taught. And by the way, that's a right. Where did that come from, Paul? That's pretty bold of you, Paul. That's pretty obnoxious of you, Jimmy. I can't believe you're talking like that. Oh, that's terrible. I don't want to hear any of that. Well, you can take it up with the God who set this whole thing in motion 
starting in Exodus 25, telling us how the table is supposed to look for heaven's sakes. And what kind of oil and what, uh, what uh, kind of uh, elements were to go under the oil. And don't anybody else use that oil. It's only for the priest. As the Lord commanded, 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 as the Lord commanded. And the first time when people ignore those things that the Lord commanded, their names were Nadab and Abihu, and they were consumed. Now, real quick, I want you to find the book of Nehemiah. It's in front of Psalms. Um, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. Find, Find Nehemiah chapter 13, and we'll quit with this. No, we won't. <laughs> um, we're close. Um, Nehemiah 13, verse 10. Nehemiah comes back. He's been gone back to where he was, and he comes back and he says, I also found, verse 10, 13, 10, I also found that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them so that the Levites and the singers who did the work had fled each to his field. So I confronted the officials and said, why is the house of God forsaken? Remember, guys, I started off about 35 minutes ago, and I said Luther was just really ticked. And he saw it as an attempt by Satan to discourage professional clergymen so that they would leave the clergy, go back to their secular jobs so that the gospel wouldn't be preached. There it is. It happened in the days of Nehemiah. That strategy of Satan's, according to Luther, it worked, at least in Nehemiah's day. Now, gang, um, we're going to talk about this for several weeks, but I think God's people, in your defense, have experienced so much abuse that you just reflexively get your dukes up when this subject comes up. Remember, it came out of Galatians 6.6. Remember that? I don't want you to forget that. But it's almost a, a default mode because I think Rome, you know that the wealthiest institution in the world today is the Roman Catholic Church. They write $55 million checks to pay off lawsuits. And people have been so abused that they're, they're, they're nervous. I, I get it. I get that. But the injunction abides. You know, guys, I think that one of the reasons that Grace Evan has never been, at least to date, after 28 years, we have never, at least to date, been in a financial crisis. Here's why I think that is. First of all, I think there's some generous people out there in this room. But I think one of the reasons that you are generous is because you trust. You thought I was going to say me, didn't you? It's because you trust the elders of this church. You know, Part of the, one of the hardest things that I have to do as the pastor of this church is to build consensus with 15 leadership men 
they're just cantankerous as you can be. They're just hard to deal with. But I'm telling you, we've got a great government, church-wise, <laughs> and great elders that run it. And I think you know in the back of your mind, yeah, Jimmy's an idiot, but those 15 guys aren't. Those men will hold him accountable, and they will keep him from getting us in trouble. And thus, one of the beauties, one of the, what I hope is a um, transferable beauty, the government of Gracie Van Church, because it is so well done by those men, I think you can say, okay, I can trust them. Can't trust that loudmouth guy, but I can trust them. And thus, we have never had to face a financial crisis here. Bless God. But ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that the support of the professional clergy by those who are being taught is a right. Not that I have intrinsically, but that God put in place way back in the book of Leviticus. Let's quit. Our Father, uh, I pray that your word will speak to your people and that we might go forward in our discussions with a, um, with a, 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 a renewed exhilaration of what we, the way that we want to meet your expectations of us. Lord, um, thank you for Bible-interested people who want to know what saith the Lord and the privilege that is mine to try and tell them. Uh, guard them from me. Guard me from my own sin and um, lead us all into a path of righteousness. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name.